Say podcast again. I am Jackson. I'm joined by Dia as always. Hi. Hello. How's you been? I've been all right. I was better until I had to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, we've been going so high so far. The first two movies are mostly pretty great, uh, and now we come to the classic movie, the like most famous Bond movie, the BFI uh, number seventy on one hundred great best British films list. Number seventy? Yes, number seventy. Is From Russia With Love even on that list? I don't know. I didn't check. I didn't want to be disappointed. I was already so disappointed. Okay, Doctor Knows at 41. Okay. Um, which is a better movie, but From Russia With Love isn't on there at all. I'm just looking at this list now. Uh, this is a ridiculous list. <laughs> the Third Man is at number one. I should watch that. I've been meaning to watch it for years. Anyway, it's not a Third Man podcast. We have to. We actually have to talk about Goldfinger. Jackson, do you love gold? Uh, I love only gold. Wow. Then it's time to tell people what this movie was about. <laughs> it's time to tell people what this movie was about. This movie came out uh, in 1964. It was directed by Guy Hamilton. Uh, after the first two were directed by Terrence Young. Um, based on the novel Goldfinger, obviously. Uh, and it was uh, written by uh, Richard Maybaum and Paul Dan. Uh and there's like uncredited screenplay credits by Berkeley Mather, uncredited story by Joanna Hartwood and Berkeley Mather. Blah, blah. And there were a lot of drafts on this thing, is what it sounds like. Um, it is. Uh, it has a much bigger budget than the other movies. It's got like as much as both of them combined. Uh, a budget of three million dollars. Uh, and it was like designed to be the Bond movie that would catch on in the American market. And given by history. It succeeded. Um, so I've got, I've got a summary, uh, which I, I wanted to keep it short, but it ended up becoming like the summaries uh, that M does for Gundam. Um, if this ends up not working, uh, I will not do this next time, and I'll deliberately do a much shorter summary. You can let me you can let me know on Twitter or on Discord uh, whether you prefer the longer summaries or whether you just want us to get into discussion. But I tried to summarize this movie short, and because there's no plot, there's just lots of stuff happening. Uh, there's no real developments. Um, it's a, it's a very boring movie. So what happens this time is we begin with a pre-title sequence. Uh, Bond is in Cuba. He just blows up a random drug lab, then goes back to his hotel room uh, and is in the middle of seducing a woman, uh, but she's betrayed him and he sees like a reflection in the, in the eye uh, of someone coming to attack him. So uses her as a shield as she gets bashed on the head and then kills the guy with a toaster in a, in a bathtub and makes a pithy, shocking comment. Uh, so that's it's an one oscillating woman fan, killed. thank you. Oh, it's an oscillating fan? I, yes, well, and he says, know. shocking. Positively shocking. Which is stupid, because the movie ends with him doing the same thing, and he's already taken the line. Because <laughs> he, uh, he, he kills Oddjob with, exec- uh, with uh, electrocution later. No spoilers. Uh, I, I know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Uh, he he goes on uh, on vacation uh, to a soundstage <laughs> with rear projected footage of Miami Beach, uh, and meet meets uh, meets Felix Leiter, who is no longer Greg Proops this time, no longer sixties Greg Proops. Um, uh, who tells him that M's given him instructions? You got to keep watching Auric Goldfinger, uh, who's at the hotel, um, and like very obviously cheating at cards <laughs> with his headphones in. Uh, as he's destroying this guy at cards. Uh, Bond ignores these instructions entirely, goes to his room, uh, finds Jill Masterson, who's the girl uh, who's working with him, looking through his binoculars, uh, and, like, gets on the radio and, like, forces him to lose, and then goes back to his room and uh, fucks Jill, and is like, this is my mission done. Very stupid move. She is immediately killed by um, uh, being, like, painted in gold so her skin can't breathe. It's it's a gruesome death uh one of the most famous images from this movie 
Uh, M does chew Bond out for being a giant idiot uh, and fucking up this mission about as hard as he possibly can. Uh, and he lets Bond stay on the case, uh, but then explains like what the mission's actually about, which is fairly low stakes for Bond. Uh, he says that Bond has to go and find out how Goldfinger is transporting gold from one market to another to sell and like exploit market fu- fluctuations, uh, which is basically light corporate espionage. So then he goes to Q and Q's like, I put machine guns in your Aston Martin for this. <laughs> Um, uh, Bond uh, goes like plays golf with him. They take turns cheating at golf with each other. Uh, for some reason, keeping up the charade that they don't know each other. Then he he follows Goldfinger to Switzerland, uh, and he meets he meets Tilly Masterson trying to get revenge on Goldfinger. Uh, but she can't even shoot him properly because you know women are bad at things. Uh, later on, he sweet sneaks into his plant in Switzerland. Um, Bond completes his mission by discovering that. Uh, Goldfinger is like melting down solid gold into the Rolls Royce body kit, uh, replacing it every time he travels. Um, but then he overhears Goldfinger talking about Operation Grand Slam, thinking like, "Oh, that sounds like the actual plot of this movie." Uh, and he would have got away if it wasn't for Tilly coming in to murder Goldfinger. Uh, but she can't do anything wrong, uh, do anything right, because you know women. This movie has a very bad view of women, uh, <laughs> even by James Bond standards. And the last movie had him deck the main girl. So, you know, that's what we're getting into. Uh, Odd job kills her, because, of course, uh, then he gets into the famous laser scene uh, where Goldfinger's like, no, you don't expect you to talk, I expect you to die. Uh, which would be cool, apart from the fact that Goldfinger takes that back about five seconds later with the most obvious bluff ever, uh, as, Gold, uh, as Bond is like, I know about Operation Grand Slam, uh, and Goldfinger decides to just let him live and hang out with him for the rest of the entire movie. <laughs> Uh, then that's all that happens. Then uh, he meets uh, Bond meets Pussy Galore uh, on the uh, on the plane. Who flies him out to Kentucky, where Goldfinger is meeting uh, with like the most cartoonish gangsters in movie history. Uh, it's like he's meeting with slightly aged up cast of various productions of Bugsy Malone, uh, who have helped finance Operation Grand Slam. Uh, which he explains uh, is a plan to rob all the gold in Fort Knox with this uh, ridiculous instant nerve gas. Uh, and he does his explanation in a ludicrous cartoon room where all the walls are spinning uh, and there's a model on the floor that rises from the floor, uh, which is helpfully cut like hollow so Bond can be under it <laughs> looking uh, looking in and, and uh, listening into this entire meeting, uh, Goldfinger instead of now killing uh, killing Bond, now that he knows that Bond knows everything, um, just goes on to explain his plan in finer detail, uh, saying that it's he's not going to rob all of the Golden Fort Knox. That would take too long. Uh, he's just going to put a dirty bomb in the middle of Fort Knox and turn all the gold radioactive, which will make all of his gold at least ten times more valuable. Then, uh, in, like, one of the most disgusting scenes in the whole series, uh, Bond, like, uh, flat-out just rapes Pussy Galore. There's no other way to say it. It's a, it's a rape scene. Um, but it's played as, like, he's won her over just by forcing himself on her. Uh, at this point, uh, Pussy Galore comes over to Bond's side, alerts the CIA to Operation Grand Slam, which proceeds, like, normally at first, but eventually the cavalry arrive, they overwhelm Goldfinger's forces. Uh, Bond fights with Oddjob in a really bad fistfight uh, and kills him while executing him. Uh, and they stop, they, stop the bom- they stop the bomb on 007, obviously. Uh, and that's it, the day is saved. But un- unfortunately, Goldfinger got away. Uh, by just putting on a, a jacket, revealing he had a U.S. military disguise the whole time, um, even though he has a comedy gold revolver, uh, Bond flies off to go meet the president for lunch to be thanked for this. Uh, but Goldfinger obviously hijacks the plane, uh, getting into a big struggle with Bond, uh, where his revolver goes off, breaks the window, and then dies in like a weird fat joke where he gets stuck in the window, and then there's a ridiculous pop sound. Uh, as he flies away, um, and then uh, Bond goes to the cockpit, uh, meets Pussy Galore. They parachute out together and hide from the search parties, uh, so they can, you know, get some get some more fucking in. And that's it. That's the movie. It's really bad. Goldfinger. <laughs> he loves only gold. I Jackson. Everything about this movie made me fucking irate. 
<laughs> I know it's so terrible. It's, it's this wait. is the one that they is beloved. This is the one that was the first blockbuster, which um, this movie was made with a three million dollar budget, which was considered like high at the time. Yes, and it made one hundred and twenty five million, which is like a total flop these days. But <laughs> but I, I I don't what. Yep. Like, it's really hard to stress just how much the entire movie is just Bond sitting around as the villains go about their plan. This is really, like, he is super Grandpa Bond in this. Like, Yes. And then half it is, like, flying around in a fucking private jet. And it's just like... I... I you know, I watched I watched them I watched the movies twice, and that will continue to be my plan. But this one, the second time through, I like I was just like fast, fast forward, fast forward. Are you, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah no. shut the fuck up, stop talking. Oh, I, it's just it's just not it's not good. No, it's really very bad. It it it. It's funny because um, the previous director of the first two films um, was booted off the project because. He was going to come back for this, um, yes. but he was asking. It was over residuals, and which I think is the funniest thing because, like, you know, this is the movie that you ask for residuals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a it was a huge it was a huge deal. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, you know, you called the fight with Oddjob bad, which is correct. I, I will I will argue that is that is the correct assessment of it. It's a, considered like one of the best fights in Bond and like in cinema history. It's a bad Star Trek fight. It like is. they're doing double handers on each other. And it's it's so funny because this is this is where we we learn that Bond knows judo. Yes. Um his MI6 has they've gotten hip to the Asian martial arts and so this might be the least believable thing about Bond. <laughs> it's it's so funny because like the past few films like just you know, Star Trek brawling, and this one basically still Star Trek brawling, except for the time he's like, "I could flip pussy galore over my shoulder and then rape her," and it's just like, "What? Uh, what? Whoa, Bond, that's not allowed." Yeah, uh, that, um, yeah, that scene in the in the barn um, is it's disgusting. Yeah, there's it's, no it's, other way about it. I I do not understand this film. I don't understand its place in history or, or it's, it's secured place in history. I should say um, it's Cause, terrible. Cause it's not, the problem is it's not like, at least in my assessment of it, it isn't like the film is, um, you know, just too behind the times and regressive because from Russia with love had some, you know, pretty questionable stuff in it, but it's a much, the craft is there. This movie doesn't have, like any sense of craft it looks worse than the ones that come before it despite having much more money there's a lot of really weird like um i don't know what's the term for it like like when they change the rate of it and they ramp up the speed um of the different uh, of some of the action bits but it's done really haphazardly and it doesn't like increase the impact of the fights so it's just like weird speed up and slow down during certain actions no yeah the cinematographer uh, like was clearly trying he wanted to try some shit yep and it's kind of like did you just like read a book or something and like you were like i want to give this a shot let's let's try undercranking and it's like maybe. undercranking that's it yeah and it's like, yeah no yeah um, and it's just weird because like i i've seen old action films that do that very well uh this isn't one of them and, and it, uh, it's 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 really funny because, um, you know, this is this is really like we are we are in the Bond tropes now. Like, yes, when people think of James Bond, like really the shit that they're thinking of, it starts here. You know, it's all here, yeah. Um, but I just, I everything about it is just so haphazard and just goofy. Um, and compared to the last two movies, which definitely had their goofiness about them, felt very like mature. Even when they were being goofy about things, they were as you know there was a presence to Doctor No and From Russia with Love, especially. 
here it's just like um, one of I remember reading up up on this film. Uh, one of the things was. Uh, I think it was one of the producer's children was the one who suggested the ejector seat. Oh, great. And it's just like, you, you listen to your kid. For an, okay. Okay. The ejector seat being such like a famous Bond trope, right? Like, it's used really awkwardly. And the, it, it happens in the in the Switzerland segment, which I didn't go into much in the summary because it, it, nothing happens. Um it's just some like mindless action beats, like there's a car chase, and then there's him breaking in, and and it's just a random thug that gets like kind of shot out the top of the car. Uh, he doesn't even go that high. No, that's my favorite thing. Is he goes like maybe three feet above <laughs> the roof of the car, and then just kind of punk. And then Bond crashes the anyway, and it's just like. <laughs> and then I just feel like so much of this movie is Bond just lucking into not dying. Yep. Like it's and it's it's really funny because um so like I got so sick of this movie I just had to go and read everything like kind of I could about it. And um uh the director, um Guy Hamilton, his he turned down Doctor No and he decided that Bond needed to be less of a Superman and so he wanted to make the villain seem more powerful. But I don't think that comes across in this at all. At all. Because you look at it from Russia with Love and you look at that train sequence and, you know, Bond wins because Bond wins in Bond movies. But that fight between um, him and Grant, like, it feels like two equal secret agents fighting off. Uh, like, they really do the work with Grant to, like, make him seem like a powerful foe for Bond. And they, they think that they're doing that for Goldfinger. He, they're not he just like he's in the first scene there's no like mystery towards him there's no like sense of presence he's just kind of a goofy guy cheating at cards when it's such a strange intro when it when he first showed up and i noticed that he had like you know that the, the little headphones in i was like wait is goldfinger like hearing impaired and is this like some kind of 1960s hearing aid that I am not familiar with. And I was really confused. And then, like, when they finally, like, revealed Jill Masterson, I was like, oh. And I was like, huh. Because Wait, really, he's such a buffoon. A, he's such a buffoon. It makes the guy he's cheating at cards with seem like an idiot because he just, like, goes, hey, can I sit on this side of the table and also can I put my uh, my microphone and headphones in, please? Thank you. Yeah, um, apparently um, the actor he was playing cards with was going to be um, the new Felix. Yeah, because that was also a pay dispute. Yeah. He did. Um, Which is tragic, tragic not to see uh, 60s Greg Proops return. I mean, it's astounding how fast CIA agents age during the Cold War. (laughs) It was rough, If you've read up up on this, and I shouldn't have gone through the Wikipedia page, uh, this actor is one year younger. (laughs) I know. It's Which so is like, funny. Oh, no, it's I'm glad you brought that because I was totally about to be like, I was like, I was like, but yeah, um, it's it's. I, I don't really even know. Like, I, I watching this, I still like until we get to Operation Grand Slam. I spent the whole movie wondering why does Bond care? Why does MI6 care? Right, because uh, like at the start, his missions. Literally to find out how uh, a gold dealer is transporting gold across state lines in order to trade in different markets. Like, that's the entire... Um, that's the mission before he overhears about Operation Grand Slam. That's, that's the only thing that they're interested in, which is a very low-stakes plot. Like, there's, that's not a big deal. <laughs> no, you feel like one of the other MIs would be able to handle that, too. Like, right, like I, I mean, I'll, I'll watch a movie about corporate espionage and that stuff, but it's not a James, like you know, you know it's not going to be a Bond movie. Um, and if that was like intentionally done, of like, oh, uh, we don't want people a bit like this is what MI6's uh, agents do. They just kind of like keep sure the trade, keep keep the trade laws intact. Like it's like it's not doing criticism with that. It's not like making a comment about what uh, the role of secret agents is in like regulating the, who has the power of the markets and everything. Right. It's not, it, it's not saying anything with that. It's just 
the premise of the movie until you can find out about the real plan. And I don't understand why anyone's meant to care, which is like triple frustrating when you get to um, uh, Tilly, who <laughs> has like an actual reason to care, and she's treated as kind of a joke. Like, yeah, she she has less of import. She has less importance in this than Paz does in Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> God, I had to do it. Oh, you you did you did have to do it. The but like, would, yeah. am I wrong? Uh, no. She just shows up, and then Bond like lightly flirts with her, despite the fact that he directly caused the death of her sister. Right, like he didn't do. He just completely ignored his mission to fuck about with this Goldfinger guy, um, and like hook up with this girl that he wanted to fuck. And very clearly led to her... De- like, if he had filled his mission properly and just observed the target and taken some information home, no one would have found out and he would have done his job. Like, it, that's the job. And instead, he, like, gets her killed uh, and we're meant to s- sympathize with him as he's, like, dealing with Tilly's, like, ridiculous... She's not very... She's, she's not very competent. She just kind of... Wait, she's letting her rage blind her uh, and is kind of treated like an awkward little pet by Bond for this section of the movie. Which is funny because, like, if Tilly just needed to walk up to, like, you know, the dude at a fucking, like, poolside in Miami, right. and boom. He's not hiding. Mm-mm. She didn't need to go to Switzerland and assass- try to assassinate him in the most difficult place possible. And, like, and yet somehow she figured this all out. Like, like she doesn't go to the stud farm. She doesn't go to any of his other, presumably, you know, enterprises. She goes to his weird remote factory where he's, you know, smelting gold to turn it into the bodying the bodywork of his Phantom Three in the middle of the night in Switzerland. What? Like what? What are you doing? Uh, it's a very it's a very strange uh, section of the movie, especially as yeah, it just leads to him being captured, which makes the whole like you could cut out the everything from. Uh, bond going back to uh the uk uh to the pussy glow scene or the him getting tied up scene and the movie would be the same like you just need to have someone talk about operation grandstand earlier and the like different levels of him going up to goldfinger like playing golf uh him going to switzerland and everything you just it's it's completely irrelevant plot wise because all that happens is eventually he gets captured and then just hangs out with Goldfinger as he explains his plans to him. So it means that the plot is just not, there's just not really a plot. No. Because From Russia with Love had like an actual plot. Like there were developments, uh, there was a lot of back and forth, there were interesting characters. Like Bond doesn't have chemistry with anyone in this movie. Like no. there's no Ali Karimbe. <laughs> But there but, is Bonita. There is Bonita. Bonita, who is the dancer that um, Bond goes to bang after blowing up a drug cartel's shit ton of heroin, I think was the deal there in the intro. Um, and she was actually Ali Bay's mistress. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that's canon. That's what she did next. <laughs> Like, I mean, you know, if Ali Karen Bay's like, you know, it's like, well, he died. I guess I gotta, I'll go to South America somewhere. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I do it, love, I do was, love, this is where we get Bond transitioning from the wetsuit with the fucking duck on his head. <laughs> yep. Or a seagull, it's, it's some water bird um, on his fucking head as like, it's like, it's like the most diseased, fucked up looking bird too. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like it's like an Exxon spill. Like still, like was like the, the artist inspiration for the bird that Bond wears on his head as a disguise. Um, but then transitions into a white sport coat with a flower, black tie, uh, kind of ruffled dress shirt, and black slacks, and then walks into a dive bar. It's in, such like, a Belize. strange. Like it's so bizarre. 
It's such a strange opening sequence because it's got nothing to do with the plot. It's like completely disconnected. Uh, and I know that most Bond openings are, and this is what set the like template for that. But th- sometimes they tie them in in a way that's like a little, you know, there's a, a little link there. Uh, but no, there's just it's just uh, blowing some things up, and it's not a good action scene. Um, it's really not. Like the most interesting part of it was watching Bond squeeze out just a tube of plastique. He does scream too. <laughs> it's just like he's like he's like, oh, I've got my explosive Golgart. <laughs> he does have this his explosive toothpaste. Uh, it looks it looks ridiculous. Um, the one thing I did think it was interesting about uh, Goldfinger, and I thought this was a weird bit of characterization, is that basically his whole deal is that he's triumphed at everything he's tried except for crime. Yes. And so he's just like, I will steal the gold from Fort Knox, but not really. Okay. Um, the Goldfinger is such a strange character, because like, like, I think one of... The, the thing I think is best about this movie and its influence going forward is the, is the song. Um, the song is great. The opening title sequences is good. It's not just projected... <laughs> Um, text onto like actual women's bodies. They've no. Now they've we get projected down... footage. Yes. Well, they've nailed down the the form of like this is the the tasteful version of this, right? Like they, you know, uh, this is just Bond openings are here now, and we're you know, uh, footage and gold projected into uh, silhouettes uh, of, of of models is is uh, basically where the series ends up. But I really like the song, and specifically, I like how the song appears throughout the soundtrack. Um, I think this is the first Bond movie to really be like, we're going to use the title title music as a cue uh, throughout the film, which is, I, I'm always a big fan of that. So I, I was glad to see that here. It's a, it's a shame that it's about a, a Goldfinger, who's just a very strange film. They say he loves only gold. And the first thing you see from him is that he loves cards. He loves winning cards. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that's I, not, he loves only gold. Yeah, I don't, I, I, it's funny because, I, I never really get the impression um, that he loves gold. Like, it's, 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 it's a function of how he accumulates his wealth, sure. But, you know, it never really seems like, oh, he's just, like, fixated on this shit beyond, like, you know, the inclusion of gold elements throughout the movie. But, like, mm, and his name is Auric. Yep. With an AU. Someone um, was so clever there. I, I get it. I, I understand Auric Gold. And it's his actual name. It's his real name. Yeah. It's not like an alias. That's his actual name. It's Auric Goldfinger. Uh, he is number 49 on the uh, AFI 100 Greatest Villains list. Which I I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, it is funny because the one thing that I remember very vividly from this movie, um, going into it was the, um, the table with the laser and the. Yes. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mister Bond. I expect you to die. Um, because every time they did a like, you know, Bond collection, television ad, like that was like the that was the clip that everyone used. Yes. for for their their adverts and um it was really funny cuz i didn't really like connect it to anything before and so watching this and seeing that scene play out and it's just like wow that really is just the least engaging interesting you know tense scene in this entire movie almost like yeah. there's nothing to it especially because he when he like um when when he responds and is like, "No, I've heard about I've heard about Grand Slam. You have to let me go." Uh, there's no he doesn't escape in an interesting way. He just brings up the plot and then Goldfinger lets him hang around. It's a strangely inert scene. Yeah. Also, why does Goldfinger have a a plan name and like a room specifically designed to just show off this plan <laughs> that he spent ten years on? Like. It just, that room is ridiculous. I, I love, I love, like, just you know, the cast of Goodfellas, like trying to get away <laughs> from the room as it transforms. 
<laughs> so that might be the best scene of the movie, honestly. It's, it's, <laughs> Where oh, it's God hilarious. Goldfinger walks into this ridiculous set, which is already a large and extravagant set before it starts transforming. Um, but then it starts transforming, and he's like, hello, I'm Goldfinger, he's got, he's got his ridiculous accent, and he's being like, this is the plan, we are, well, and that's, that's fucking Connery, I can't do accents at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. He just tells everyone, you know, that's the plan, we're going to do this do this thing, and then, like you said, like, the fucking cast of Goodfellas here... <laughs> But like they're all they're all meant to be like different regions of cartoonish mobsters. <laughs> He's like, ah, here they are, here we got the Chicago mobsters, we got the New York mobsters, we got the I don't know, the Indianapolis mobsters, they're all here. Cause he they're all coming from all over the, the country to give him all his, his his like stuff. Uh and then he kills them with the nerve gas in a thing they really should have seen coming. <laughs> And I like that we established that the nerve gas, um, you know, Goldfinger tells everyone, oh, no, it'll just knock them out for a bit until we can get rid of the gold. Um, and then Bond's like, you know it's going to kill everyone, right? And Goldfinger's like, eh. Of course I know. I, I'm setting off a nuke in Fort Knox, Bond. I know it's going to kill everyone. <laughs> Some fucking Bond villain. What do you want from me? Um. Uh, you know, it's funny because, like, um, I didn't even really think of the the idea of dirty bombs predating 9-11, really, because that's when, you know, we started hearing it nonstop. Um, but Goldfinger totally drops it. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, it's not a big bomb, but it's, you know, it's very dirty. And it's like, oh, okay. We had a concept of dirty like- bombs in 1964 or whatever. That that stuff's interesting because it's like very loaded about like it's the Chinese dirty bomb because he's got a bunch of like you know uh, Chinese uh, scientists working with him. Um, it's it's definitely as Bond movies are weird, like very pointedly racialized, uh, like um, Odd Jobs Korean and fucking Odd Jobs really bad. At, uh, <laughs> uh, I understand like iconic for the the hat, the real iconic hat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even need to do an iconic hat check. Walked right into that. Like I understand why odd job is like an element of this movie that has survived because guy that kills people with your hat is pretty good pretty good concept, pretty good gimmick there. But even by the standards of uh weird, like racist heavies in movies, um He's just he's just kind of standing around until he throws the hat at someone, and then the hat in the final sequence is just being thrown and dodged. It's not a threatening hat. It just looks like he's throwing his hat around. No, it's only threatening if you're a statue of a woman or an actual woman, <laughs> or an actual woman. It's true. Like oh, Bond doesn't even God. get particularly fucked up in that fight. You know, like I would expect, like okay, you know, odd job, just like wangs him in the arm okay oh bond broke his arm or something like that but no he's bond is like you know a lamborghini in a triple a video game like yes <laughs> there are rights of work the, here. The, the best licensing deal you can get is that oh maybe it gets a little bit dirty during the race yeah it's it's a very strange fight and yeah the the, the odd job stuff's just strange like i said because this this was nominated for an oscar yeah so one interesting thing about the odd job fight is that um i'm sure you read this he was like badly burned filming this scene oh no yeah harold sakata um was badly burned when he gets electrocuted i guess the the pyrotechnics from that scene really fucked him up so following this thread, there was a movie in 1974 called Impulse, um, which I have to tell you the working title because it's incredible. The working title was Want a Ride, Little Girl, um, which okay. <laughs> is a 1974 American thriller starring William Shatner, who is a serial killer of wealthy widows. Yo, we, we are cancelling the Bond podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we are watching uh, the movie in which uh, William Shatner kills wealthy widows and also Oddjob is there, but badly burned now. <laughs> so get this. Um, yeah? Harold Sakata played a character in Impulse called Karate Pete. 
Oh, yo! Ten years later, just as racist. Time means nothing. It's a lesson to you all. So forward progress is a lie. And now I have to read you this quote. Um, filming lasted fifteen days, including twelve with Shatner and final three with other actors. During one take of the scene where Shatner's character hangs Sakata's character to death, Sakata nearly died of being accidentally hanged by tightrope. Fortunately, what? with Sakata's quote, superior neck development, end quote, the crew was able to save his life. Shatner, Shatner, Shatner broke his finger during the incident while supporting Sakata's weight. Okay, so, so Shatner, like, Almost killed him, but then helped save him, I guess. I'm glad that went the way it did. Otherwise, Shatner, instead of being in Wrath of Khan, would be the man who killed Oddjob. Like. <laughs> yeah? It's, it's, it's like. I, I just, like, follow. Like, that was not what, even close to what I expected to see following this thread on, um. Uh. Wikipedia. Also, Oddjob appeared. Oddjob appeared um, in a set of commercials for Vicks Formula Forty Four cough syrup in the seventies. Okay, yeah. Where of where he has a nasty cough and he destroys everything around him um, that causes him to lash out and frightens his wife, and so she gives him a bottle of Vicks Formula Forty Four, which cures his cough, and the two <laughs> bow to each other. Then the <laughs> wife looks past Ajab to take in the destruction he has caused. Well, that's 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 some classic stuff there. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I I like this movie. Is, like it's, I knew we weren't gonna like it, but it was so much more boring than I expected. And that, there's not very many super interesting threads to dig on. So we both fell down Wikipedia holes, and you started looking up William Shatner's movies. Uh, and the life and times of Harold Sakata. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's funny because I also like I started like looking up like because um, I thought I actually thought Jill Masterson was really interesting before she's abruptly killed off. Like mm-hmm. I was actually kind of intrigued. I'm like, like okay, you're you're the one who gets covered in gold. Like I know that. Um, maybe this will show up later. Maybe you'll have something to do in this movie. Um, because at first she's she's kind of interesting. It's like you know, what do you do? It's like, you know, oh, I help cheat, blah, blah, blah. And he likes to be seen with me. And Bond gets all, he gets, he gets all fucked up about the fact that like the potential that Goldfinger may have put his dick near Jill Masterson because he <laughs> wants to put his dick near Jill Masterson. Oh, clearly. He's literally just met. He's like, no, you, uh, you should not go near this like beta energy. <laughs> Cause he's, he's just fully in that mode now. It's, it's so ridiculous. Cause he's just like, he's like, he's like just seen with. And she's just like, just seen with you fucking weirdo. I'm going to fuck you in five minutes anyway. It, the one of the most interesting parts of Bond movies is how, uh, a lot, like these scenes are rhythm with the inevitability that the woman is going to end up fucking Bond, but the like women cast do not like play that always. No, um, which reaches its like uh peak in the Pussy Glow segment. He was like. She's got pussy galore. She's got a flight squad of ridiculous like the sixties women. Fucking lesbian. <laughs> Could not be more of lesbian if they like wrote it in the sky. It's so funny because I really, exactly, 100%. Like, I'm watching this and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm sorry. This is what missed, like, Captain Marvel, like, really should have been. <laughs> right. But, like, it's like, um, it's like, yeah, you are, she is a flight lesbian who has an aerial circus in fucking Tennessee. Come on. <laughs> um, and then there's like a scene that's basically pointless except to show off like how much she has like power over all of these like uh, tightly dressed mod 60s women uh, in their pilot gear, right? Right. And so it's so funny to me because like I'm watching this and I'm like, you could yell at me, but I'm just like, I'm like, this is Ava. This is Ava and her, <laughs> and her, her, her motorcycle boy squad. Yeah. Only this is, this is only literal lesbian. 
uh, it's the yeah. I'm fairly sure that's also just like true in the novel. Um, that like there is a plot point about her being lesbian, but only because she was like traumatized as a child or something. Because of course, right? Uh, and then you get the scene in the movie where Bond's just you know the rape scene where he forces uh, himself on her, uh, and it's it's a very strange scene because I don't know like what actually happened with the people making the scene um but i think that it's like a really uncomfortable scene and a lot of that is due to like uh, pussy glow's performance because you there's a way that if like the people writing that want this to be a bit more playful but she just refuses to play it that way she just fully plays it as the most like she is so uncomfortable during the entire scene Mm -hmm. Uh, and I almost like I think I appreciate that like I'd rather the scene be on like it would be worse to me if the scene was less quote unquote you know uh, have less of this like in- extreme rapist overtones uh, because I think it's dishonest it's, like that's what it is it would be worse to like make it more playful because like the the scene's disgusting and I'm glad that it uh, can at least stand as that kind like a don't mean as a defense of it. I mean as like a historical thing to exist. We can all look at the scene and see what it is. There's no, there's no way to get around it. Right, it is just a horrible rape scene. Yeah, it's I, just fucking movie. Um, one of the interesting things I found out was um, Pussy Galore was 38 when 38, yeah, 38 when she played Pussy Galore. Honor Blackman. I'm sorry. Not Pussy Galore, it was Pussy Galore. Um, <laughs> it's not really called Pussy Galore. <laughs> Honor Blackman was 38 when she did this. Bond was 33. Wait, she's way older than Bond? She's five years older than Bond. Wait, hang on. You're telling me that Connery is... Connery was like 30 in Doctor No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way. No way. Also, holy shit, Pussy Galore is 94 years old and she's still alive. Hell yes. Well, see, now I have to read you. Okay, so there are two quotes on her Wikipedia page oh. that make me so happy. I, Honor Blackman's Wikipedia page is a treasure trove, but <laughs> there is a politics subhead, which you know is always good. Whenever there's a politics subhead, oh, it's a good time. Um, so in 2012, she publicly criticized Sean Connery um, for being a tax exile. She Good, said, quote, I disapprove of him strongly now because I don't think you should accept a title from a country and then pay absolutely no tax towards it. He wants it both ways. I don't think his principles are very high. She's fucking right about Which that. Is like, yeah, right? Because um, she actually was awarded a CBE and turned it down 10 years before that quote because um, she thought it would be hypocritical to accept the word as a Republican. Um, but uh, the other quote following the death of Margaret Thatcher, this is a long quote, but it's it's just so full of... Yes, please read this whole quote out. Quote, she's not my idea of heaven, I have to say. Although she did some good things in her time, she was merciless about the unions. I'm not too happy about the Falklands either. We lost men, we took injuries, and we blew up a ship. I suppose we need it for a base, but my common sense tells me that it does not belong more to it. It, it does belong more to Argentina than it does to us. Lots of people may throw things at me for saying that about Thatcher, but hopefully not during the performance. She was a powerful figure, but she did damn all for empowering women. She didn't surround herself with any women whatsoever or encourage women to come into politics or do anything in particular. She could have been quite wonderful a role model. Uh, that's such a diplomatic quote. Right? That's <laughs> like very clearly given in the public arena because I'm like, you hate Margaret. You clearly hate Margaret Thatcher. You, you don't say, oh, she did good things, but also destroyed all the unions. I'm like, she fucking hate her. But we all hate her. <laughs> I, don't know when, I don't know when that quote, like what context that quote was given in. Uh, yeah, I don't I know was... it, but it's 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 absolutely wonderful. <laughs> um, it was a it's, quote it's given. Good. It was a quote given to the Bournemouth Daily Echo. Oh, it was the Bournemouth Daily Echo. Was oh, that was holy shit! I was living in Bournemouth when she did this. I could have gone to see this play that she's promoting. <laughs> 
As April 2013, I was living in Bournemouth. Um, well, shit. Well, shit, yeah, no. And God. people say synchronicity oh. isn't real. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was wonderful. The other thing um, that was really wonderful, and this makes me so happy, there was there, producers were concerned about uh, the name Pussy Galore because of censorship. And they thought about changing it. Oh, why is that? I think it's because the name's Pussy Galore. So they thought about changing it to Kitty Galore. Um, but um, they decided, quote, if you were a 10-year-old boy and knew what the name meant, you weren't a 10-year-old boy. You were a dirty little bitch. <laughs> yeah, they, that is a direct quote on this Wikipedia And so page. they got around the American censors. They're inviting one of the, the head censor to dinner and telling them they were big supporters of the Republican Party. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. What? And it gets Great, better. It gets better. So Honor Blackman, during interviews, would repeatedly mention her character's <laughs> name. Yes! Oh, she's so cool. She, she, she just wanted to embarrass them. I love going up to the men who are like, just here to interview me and be like, hello, my name's Pussy. I'm called Pussy. I play Pussy in the movie. Hey, how do you feel about that? Could you put in, the, in your article that my name's Pussy, please? And just watching this complete, this, this person just have a meltdown, just flop sweats. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. She's powerful. Yeah. Um, deserves a much better movie than this. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so funny. Like, like, we need to do like, you know, most like wasted Bond girls at some point as just like an episode. Also like, you know, time to dicking down and like time to death. I think. Yes. <laughs> do, like Bond girl statistics at some point. Someone has to have done this. Like the time between, like time from first scene uh, to getting dicked down and the time from dick getting dicked down to death. Like those things have to be like, cause I mean, um, uh, Jill has about like a single second. Like he, they bone, he gets knocked out, and then she's dead. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, think- I, th- <laughs> I think Tilly gets even less time. Yep. Ah, oh, poor Tilly. Uh, looking more at the Wikipedia page, and they, <laughs> they almost cast Orson Welles as Goldfinger. Right. Oh, which is a shame because then it would be my favorite Bond movie. Like it would still suck, but I love Orson Welles. <laughs> and they wouldn't have had to have overdubbed him. No. Why is there so much overdubbing in these movies? Why do they keep doing this? Like half the people are overdubbed all the time. Well, because they keep casting like people who don't speak English. But like until now, it's all like loads of different models, right? Um, who who they they cast because ah, look we got a we got a hot person from this country and that'll you know they can be the bond girl and blah 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 uh but now it's just the the normal like the principal big, villain the, the principal villain and also he's just kind of big and awkward like the the only distinguishing fingers about him is his ridiculous german accent which is fake because it's dubbed <laughs> even though they had a you know an actual German acting. It's God. What a what a what a damn movie. I I'm, I feel uh, very low energy on this podcast because um, podcasts are much better when we like the movies. But it was just. I hope this is like kind of as low as it gets for Bond. I remember Thunderball being bad, um, but I hope it's better than this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um. Uh... God, what's his name? Gert Gert Froba um, is Baron Bombast in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, I haven't seen that in so long. Right, like, um, but the same actor dubs him. <laughs> he's just got his got his British voice. Because even in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, apparently, like you know, he's incomprehensible. It's incredible. Uh, what more? What, is there anything more you want to hit before the end? Um, all the stuff in in the actual MI six was really disappointing. Um, like the money petty scene was just a bit bad. Yeah, and like uh, the last one, I thought was actually pretty good. Like I really enjoyed, you know, 
Like I, I, I honestly kind of like these boring MI6, you know, just like seeing just, yes, it's boring British bureaucracy. <laughs> but the, like the procedural nature of, of these movies is like part of the appeal. Like that is, it's not really a controversial statement. I think like yeah. those are crucial parts of these movies. Uh, which is why they have to do that in this one, even though it's kind of pointless for the plot. He literally could just called him up in Miami, and they never, never went back to the UK. But um, you get that—you get the first Q briefing in a real way, because uh, the jump from the case of the last movie to here's a car with uh, machine guns and ejector seat. Like I was expecting some kind of gradual slide. <laughs> no, yeah, we go, we get, we and like it's great too, because like. You know, this is the big, like, the kind of walkthrough. Because um, we, we're basically, like, you know, we, we have, like, we, we, from, we go from Spartacus to from Russia with Love with the Spectre training camp. And now we have MI6's equivalent, which is Q's, like, test lab. Where there's just people in the background just, you know, blowing up, trying to test body armor with machine guns, with, like, explosive rounds, apparently. Um, and like, you know, people are just working on things and Bond is touching it and Q's just like, stop, 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 touch, stop, don't touch that. Don't, don't, don't touch that. Hey, which is good. That, that stuff is good to see. Cause I do usually like the Bond and Q scenes. Um, that, like, you know, this one, the one of this movie is not, not great. I much prefer the, uh, uh, the, the, the briefcase, but I do, I do think it's weird how we went from movie one. We got a new gun cause your guns for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> movie two uh here's a cool briefcase with a smoke bomb movie three is a car with machine guns and an ejector seat and a flippy like, license plate and a flippy license plate Which, the flippy license plate was because the director kept getting parking tickets wait because they kept <laughs> they kept that like that car kept being Given pardon, or do you mean just in general? Just, just his, like- his own personal life. He kept getting parking tickets, and so he conceived of the flippy license plate uh, as a personal fantasy for himself. Ah, oh, it's fucking true. I mean, Bond wouldn't wouldn't park properly. No. Well, I mean, we know that's true in in later films. Yeah. Well, eventually we're gonna get to like underwater cars and shit, because uh, eventually this will go around the other side and become good again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still like reeling from the revelation that Sean Connery was 33. <laughs> right. Yeah. Man. British people. <laughs> uh, I think that might be it. Do we have anything else we want to say before we finish this podcast? Bad movie. We're, we're down about it. Hopefully next time we'll be better. Yeah, like um what is our next one? Our next one is Thunderbolt. The next one is Thunderball, and yeah. then I'll have to decide what we do the one after that. Oh, because uh, we got 1967. There are two Bond movies. Though I will say, shout out to the Aston Martin DB5. It's a cool car. I I I, I grew up with the fucking toy man. Yep. The, your corgi toys. Shout out for your diecast little cars, because. Baby me really fucking love that Aston Martin DP5. Shout out. Uh, I'm interested, I'm interested to see where the cars go because I know, like, I remember the later cars, but I don't really know any of the cars because I've, I've barely seen any of the Roger Moore Dalton ones. I, I know the early Bonds and the late Bonds, but uh, there's an entire swath of mid Bond that I know nothing about. Yeah, like, we, we do, uh, we don't really stick with the, the Aston Martin all that much. We definitely abandon it. Um, I know there's a bit where he's got a BMW because he's got a BMW when he's when he's controlling it from his um <laughs> from his touchpad. Yeah, cool. Because uh, I know that's a BMW. I think Brosnan gets rid of the, B- the of the Aston Martin entirely. Yeah, uh, until um until the end of the day. Yeah, because I I remember that. Bit. I know that that's the Aston Martin Vanquish because it vanishes. That's the joke. Yeah. We're really gonna have to watch Die Another. I hope Die Another Day is fun. I bet Die Another Day is gonna be more fun than Goldfinger. That's my bet. Die right Another now. Day is the one with Jonathan Price, right? No, oh. no, that's Tomorrow Never Dies. That's Tomorrow Never which Dies. Is, which is definitely that one's not even a bet. I know that's better than Goldfinger. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> Jonathan Price's <'Cause>... stealth sub. 
if he's got a stealth sub and he's like, ah ha I will do fake news as he's in his Steve Jobs like turtleneck while he's got a ridiculous torture man and Bond can't read like Chinese keyboards. Lord of Dice is a good movie. <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's also really wonderful if you, because because that was the time when Jonathan Price was very soundly in doing Infinity ads. <laughs> so like yes. you just just you just transplant him from that over to Infinity ads and just like it's wonderful. Oh, that's right. Die Another Day was the one with Halle Berry that I did see in theaters, and it's the first one I saw in theaters. I so, so uh, I think that. Uh, I started going to theaters in like um, 2001, I think it was. No, it must have been, no, must have been two, it was 2000 because I, I, one of the first movies I saw was Pokemon 2000 because I'm a baby child. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember seeing Die Another Day and one, I didn't understand it at all. I thought I, I'd spent multiple years not knowing what the plot of that movie was. Um, and two, I saw like in 2002, the two movies I was most excited for were Die Another Day and Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> Nice. Cursed childhood. Cursed childhood. <laughs> never never into the... Because I didn't watch Lord of the Rings and the stuffing at the time. Could have got into things that were, like, popular and... But no, I got into Star Trek Nemesis. That's what I saw in the cinema as a, you know, eight-year-old or whatever it was. <sighs> Wait, was that, that, one with, that was the one with Tom Hardy, right? That's the one with Tom Hardy as Bane but a Picard clone, yes. Yes! God. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Jackson, we've picked terrible fandoms. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, Dia, do you want to say one way you can find you on the internet? You can find me at Dia Lacina on Twitter, D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A. It's true. You can find me at Headfuls Off. You can find the podcasts uh, that I do at abnormalmapping.com. Um, and you can support us at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping, uh, where if you donate for $1 a month, you can get... Uh, access to the great gundam project if you donate for more there are other tiers uh the ten dollar tier is a podcast called voip life we have a special episode of that coming up soon uh but that's that's it that's it we're done we're done we're done here uh bond will return in thunderball uh it will not be next week it will be in two weeks like i said this podcast has a bit of a weird schedule but i'll let you know uh that means you've got more time to email if you have any thunderball takes we didn't get any um uh goldfinger emails the star trek nemesis went on to earn 67 million worldwide making it earning less than half of Goldfinger. That was in 2002. Yeah. Oof. Damning. That's not good. That's really bad. Do you know the director of um, Star Trek Nemesis uh, went on to edit uh, Casino Royale? Huh. Well, good thing he didn't direct it. That's fucking true. Alright, that's it. We are done with the podcast. Thank you very much. Goodbye. you
girl, beware.